What's the key differentiator between the version of Ben who's gone on and had all the success that you've had to date and the version of Ben who wouldn't have taken action on all those things and followed through and, and got to where you are right now? Okay. So, I don't understand the question. I'll give it another go. I'll take that out. Fuck it, no. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle. It's been a big few weeks. Our last guest, Lydia Elise Millen, blogger, YouTuber, content creator, queen of the blogosphere, absolutely smashed her episode. It went straight to number two in the business charts and number 19 across all podcast categories. Stayed there for a little over a week. And as a result, the Take Flight podcast went straight up to number one. And I was so excited to see that a few days after we launched her episode. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you all for supporting and I loved hearing all your feedback, all your comments and it was great having the conversations with those of you who have reached out so far. So thanks, keep it up. I'm loving having the chats and it's motivating me to do it more. So as a result, I promise to do the best I can to keep improving the content, improving your enjoyment level of listening and the guests that I'm going to be able to get on and hopefully inspiring you to take more action towards the goals you're trying to achieve because that's the whole reason we do this anyway. This week, we have another Unreal guest. I was delighted when they first came back to me and emailed saying they were up for coming on the show. So the guest for episode 11 of the Take Flight podcast is Ben Coomba. Ben is an absolute operator. As a serial entrepreneur, Ben has a super successful fitness business providing online training material, a nutrition business providing diet plans and all-round nutritional advice, a supplement business called Awesome Supplements that does everything from whey protein to vegan bars to everything in between for fitness, health and well-being. On top of this, he's doing a ton of public speaking and hosts the number one rated fitness podcast on iTunes, Ben Coomba Radio. Ben talks all about his journey of getting to where he is today and the trials, the tribulations, the ups, the downs, the challenges, the obstacles and all the lessons learned in between. And I just loved sitting down and having a conversation with him. With Take Flight being a peak performance podcast, it was amazing to get such raw advice on ways of improving your performance, not just physically, mentally and spiritually, which I think is so, so important and we talk about a lot on this show, but also career-wise and in your business and how you're going to scale your business and all those kind of things that I think are so fascinating and important for people who are taking a leap of faith and going after their dreams. We sat down for about an hour and Ben dropped gem after gem of advice and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. I hope you take away as much as I did. All links to Ben's website, to his socials, to his podcast and any books that we spoke about on the show will be detailed in the episode description on iTunes as usual. But here it is, episode 11 of the Take Flight podcast with Ben Coomber. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Ben. Welcome to the Take Flight Podcast. Hello. You started very softly. I was like, I was waiting for a big like, boom, show, bang. No, it's like a yeah. chill, relaxed listening. Oh, okay. I'll take my voice down. No, no, no. We can go, <laughs> we can go, we can get pumped. Um, mate, welcome. Thanks so much for mate, coming on. Thank you. It's rare that someone turns up at my house and goes, hey, here's a microphone. Let's do an interview. It's usually <laughs> over Skype. And so cool, yeah. Mate, I, no, I, I think for me, starting this in January, one of the things I wanted to do was do as many of them face-to-face because part of the point of doing the whole thing is building a network and getting to understand and, and meet people and, and hear about their businesses. So I was keen to do as many of them 
face-to-face as possible. So, mate, thank you for hosting. Thank you. So, Ben, we normally start with a relatively straightforward, easy one. Yeah. If you could give us a bit of a background about who you are and what it is that you do, that'd be great. Sure. I am primarily a nutritionist coach. I do a lot of speaking. That's probably the favourite part of my business. And it all started because I was obese as a teenager. So at the age of 18, I was uh, very overweight. I was going to be an actor back in the day. I'd spent literally from the age 8 to 18 on stage, prancing around, in tight, singing, all that kind of stuff, full-on thespian. And I kind of got to 18 and I left school and I'd been in boarding school all my life. So I, I felt like I'd led a really sheltered life. Like, don't get me wrong, amazing in some ways, but very sheltered, looked after. And... Um, I was like, right, I've got to go out into the big bad world now and I've got to be really vulnerable because as an actor, you've got to go and perform in front of a panel that are just staring at you cold going, perform, monkey. And it's really hard. So I kind of felt like very vulnerable and I thought, right, let's look at myself. Where am I at? Okay, I know a fair amount about acting, but actually as a person, I kind of don't like myself in a multitude of ways. I'm overweight, I'm tired, um, I'm not as confident as I should be. Yeah, there's a lot of false confidence because I'm an actor. And basically, I looked at myself and felt that, oh, I don't think I'm going to be successful in my career if I don't change. And literally the next day, I had to say, right, I need to change. I need to do something about it. So I started dieting, training, all that kind of stuff, and just kept hitting roadblock after roadblock. Nothing was changing. I, I felt like I was stuck. I was getting frustrated, and I had an argument with my brother one day, and I was teasing him because of his weight, and he just reacted back, and he said, oh, you're not so perfect, and, and I was like, oh my God, you're right, and it was the first time I'd kind of like been challenged at that point in my journey, and you know, for anyone listening, I don't think enough of us are sometimes objective about the place that we're in and we're stuck in. So I had to stand back and be objective. And I said, right, what tools am I using that are broken? I'm being told that the diet I'm following is correct. The training that I'm doing is correct. It's obviously not. So I joined another gym. I fell into the hands of a great trainer who gave me a new induction. And he said, why don't we do some weights instead of this running? And why don't we tweak this in your diet? And I recommend this book called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by Paul Check." bought the book, changed my training program, changed my diet, and I lost four stone in four months. And literally, the fat just melted off my body. And just that simple physical transformation changed myself mentally, um, my mindset, like everything shifted. And I thought, wow, if I can have that through a simple physical change in four months, what could other people have? And also, what could I keep experiencing? So then I trained to become a personal trainer and a nutritionist literally for my own learning I just wanted to know more and then I thought actually this is quite cool I want to evolve this so I decided to move away from the acting and go into the fitness industry and then basically trained to become a personal trainer worked in a studio got a bit bored went to uni uh, studied sports performance and coaching and at my time in uni just took every opportunity in front of me, went and did internships, got jobs. I mean, I remember at one point at uni, I had five different jobs, you know, just experiencing and learning and absorbing and uh, set up my first online business in my second year of uni because I kind of saw this trend of people coaching online. And I always knew I wasn't destined to be a one-to-one personal trainer. Just it wasn't enough of an impact for me. I had more in me. So I knew that the internet would allow me to broaden that. So went into the internet space and I've been there ever since, uh, like seven, eight years now, 
got the UK's number one health and fitness podcast, uh, well, number one rated. Um, there's many people that jostle between the number one spot. I do a lot of speaking. I have an education company and I have a supplement company. I run a 90-day transformation program. I do loads of cool stuff, but it all happened from that simple four-month shift in my body and mind. Fascinating. Yeah, no, it's really interesting, mate. And you mentioned the podcast, so it's nice to have a, a pro on, on this podcast as well. Mate, I just talk shit about the microphone. <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting so I've got a ton of questions actually about that yep. first one as far as the boarding school then if you went on to have kids or if you were speaking to other people who were growing up would you speak about boarding school as a positive or as a negative I don't think I'd send my kids there um, I would like to be more involved in my child's upbringing uh, I think you know there's aspects that my parents missed out on with me being there like I don't I want to go and watch my kid play rugby every weekend like that's cool um, I think you can get a great education without being in boarding school. At the time, potentially, that wasn't a factor. The, one of the main reasons I went is because my dad always moved around because he was in the special forces. Mm-hmm. So I had to be somewhere stable from an education perspective. Um, and also, it's obviously financially very expensive. I'm very fortunate that we went to boarding school for next to nothing. So I didn't pay the standard like 17 grand's worth of fees a year. We went there for next to nothing because uh, my dad got special rates and then my mum went and worked at a boarding school to allow me to go there mm-hmm. for very cheap. Yeah. Um, so I think it, I, I don't, there's, there's great things that it taught me, but it neglected a huge part of my character. And then as far as getting into the acting, when did that start? And then was it just the fitness stuff that then made you completely change your mind about where you wanted to go? Or was there other things that affected that decision? So the fitness stuff changed what I was passionate about. I was passionate about acting for 10 years. And I don't think there's anything wrong with you saying, do you know what? What I'm doing right now isn't serving me anymore. And I have to pivot. And a lot of people get stuck and very rarely become unhappy and then change we usually go through a year or two of unhappiness because we're used to that pattern of doing that thing and I was acting and I was like I was trying to force myself to act when really I was passionate about fitness back then I think the great thing about boarding school is you're constantly bombarded by like after school clubs so you constantly um, are enabled to have exposure to different stimuluses and I think this is what young people miss out on is just exposing yourself to stuff Mm -hmm. to work out what it is you want to do like when I see a kid and they're like oh my parents are forcing me to work out what I need to do and I'm like cool work it out but there's no pressure like Mm -hmm. you don't just get a job like pay your rent and shit but go and find stimuluses and you know I joined acting class I did art class I did all this stuff and I just learned that there was my passion and you what for now I'm going to follow it because that's what I'm passionate about yeah interesting mate yeah I couldn't agree more like the whole exploration thing is so important and you know, take take whatever experience you can from those different things you're trying out and then mm. follow through on the one that you're most passionate about. Mm. So was it for you then some kind of, was it like a year transition when you were going through that stage of deciding that then fitness was your passion? Or was it like a moment where you realised and you woke up and you had that kind of epiphany or the aha moment when you, when you wanted to change what you're going to do? No, I think, I don't think many people have that aha moment because... When you're an adult, it's not usually as simple as just stopping one thing and starting another. You know, you've got a few responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. So it did. It, it was going through a period of time. So from the age of 18 to about 19, 19 and a half, I was constantly doing auditions. And I was out, you know, at RADA doing all that kind of stuff. But I was training, doing the personal training on the side and learning. And I hit a roadblock. The auditions weren't going very well. I got a reserve place to the Birmingham School of Acting, I think. And um, I was like... 
I'm a bit bored. I'm a bit frustrated. And I always wanted to travel. So I went away for three months traveling. I had saved up, packed my bags, went. And I came home and my girlfriend at the time, I would sort of sat down with her and I was confused. And she said, why don't you just do the fitness thing? She pointed it out to me. And mm. she sort of, um, and you know, I'm with her today and we're getting married later on this year. She pointed it out to me and that's when the penny dropped. And sometimes I think you need those good people around you to just highlight and be objective for you. And I think that's a, you know, probably a high performance tip of make sure you find your circle of friends that can challenge you and make you think objective and not constantly go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Or yeah, you know, it's kind of like the mum test. You don't want the mum test. Oh mum, how's this? Oh, it tastes great, son. Well done, (laughs) your first flapjack. Like you don't want that. Um, And my girlfriend, my fiance has always challenged me. She challenged me and I changed. Amazing. And who else does that for you at the moment? My fiance still, yeah. um, you know, my staff members, I think I've got a good team around me. Uh, I've got a couple of mentors now, you know, I'm 12 years in the game now. So your objectivity needs to change in your business. I need higher level objectivity. Like when you're running a team and a business and you're trying to grow loads of stuff, you kind of need people that have been there and done it and failed bigger and harder than you have. So I've got a couple of great people that I talk to. I'm involved in a 12-month business program now. So again, I've got you know lots of people there that can help me think objectively. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said 12 years in the game. Yeah. How old are you now? 31. 31. Okay. So you started, you're including when you were doing it at university? So I started PT when I was like 19, 20. Okay. So that was my first in in the fitness industry. I've been about eight years in the online space okay so let's take it from the online space then because yep. presumably that's when you dropped everything else and you went full-time into what is is it ben coomba what, so what would you call the business 2008 was my first business i started a business called your diet advisor.co.uk which is like an online coaching company yep. made loads of mistakes got the branding wrong set it up to coach customers that i didn't want to coach like 45 year old females with three kids going through the men like I just didn't want to coach those people so 2010 I set up body type nutrition that ran um, up until earlier on this year when we rebranded it but that was a coaching company that formed into an education company um, so I started it the first two the last two years when I was at uni and then went full-time not until about 2012 which is when I would say I had that shift of balance between working nine to five in the job and then working in the evenings on the online business and I had enough money to then go right now we're all in okay so was that a process of basically working both for as long as you could possibly manage to the point where you had that financial security to make the leap 100% yeah okay and you know unless you've got a load of money in the bank to go all in at that point in time you've got to do that you've got to do nine to five and eight or ten at home to make it work yeah yeah so would you buy into the kind of Gary V's of this world you talk about the hustle mentality and talk about every hour under the sun trying to work and and get your business where it should be yeah and the reality is the harder you work the quicker you're going to get there anyway like even if you've not got the tools for success the harder you work the quicker you'll fail so the quicker you'll learn so yeah I was personal training during the day and then I'd come home and I was that guy that on a Friday night instead of going out and getting shit-faced I was writing a blog or I was answering people's questions on Facebook because I wanted what I envisaged to have, which was a successful online business. Ah, So fascinating, mate. So for people who are looking to do that as well and manage that kind of workload, are there any tips or any advice you can give people to to try and do that as best as possible? I think 
the really unsexy obvious thing is planning absolutely everything and the outcome that you want from the activity that you're going to invest time in so if you work monday to friday and you need to go to the gym awesome plan the gym 5 30 to 6 30 come home you have your dinner if you've got a family you plan that hour of family time you sit down and then you plan that 8 30 to 10 30 is maybe your side hustle and you square that away with your partner or whoever you need to and again you're just diligently working through your day in a methodical way and to make sure that you use all your time effectively, that two-hour hustle window that you have at night, you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And maybe you, you've got someone objective helping you focus your mind. Like now and again, I get my fiance to come in my office and I'm like, right, today I'm struggling. I've got like 10 jobs to do. I'm not going to get it all done. Help me identify the top five that I need to get done. And I just need someone else to help my brain go through that process. And... Um, what we all have is busyness that we need to deal with outside of our side hustle or our job and it might be kids, family, all that stuff. So you've just got to plan and you've got to communicate. Um, you know, I think a lot of people when they're trying to change, they don't communicate effectively with the people around them to allow them to change and help them change with them. It's like going on a fitness journey yourself and being with someone and going, right, I'm getting fit and healthy. Are you going to come with me or not? And straight away, you alienate that person and make them have to go all in with you or be excluded from that. So if I was going to go on a fitness journey, I should sit down with my partner and say, hey, I'm going to do this because of this reason. I want to make some changes. I feel a little bit low on energy. Da, 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 da. You know, I think we should make some changes together and this is why I'm doing it. And we could maybe go on some bike rides together. And all of a sudden, you're now including that person in this process, which makes it a lot easier to change. But people are too focused on their own journey but sometimes you've got to bear in mind the people that are coming with you on that journey because ultimately do you want them with you on that journey or not? Mm -hmm. Which, of course, you would want them, right? And yeah. you can help each other, keep each other accountable. And... Exactly. Okay, I love that advice, by the way. Because it's, <laughs> they can't, I mean, it's difficult, but some people, they need to want it enough to be able to go through that. And then I suppose you've gone right back around to the original advice, which was have those people around you who can motivate you and uh, give you the advice that you need in those difficult times. Yeah. So. Well, entrepreneurship is a very lonely place shit like this there's weeks where i can you know not talk to many people sometimes i don't even talk to people face to face because it's an online business and that's really lonely and actually i now do more cpd at my point in my journey than i've ever done in my whole life i've already done 33 days of cpd this year cpd continual personal development so courses away mentoring all that kind of stuff so i've spent a whole month out of five months this year learning and it's also because I need to get topped up with inspiration. Like there's a certain point you get to in your journey where shit gets even harder. You reach a certain level of success and more people want to take it off you. More people want to discredit you. More things can go wrong. Like we work in manufacturing now and it's incredible the amount of things that can go wrong every day. Supplier doesn't turn up with the ingredient. The tub doesn't arrive. Someone's off with flu. Like there's just so much crap. And actually, when you compound that in three different businesses with seven different staffs, with 18 different revenue sources, a lot can get you down very quickly. And actually, you need to have those days away where you realize that other people are facing the same pain as you. So it's like going to a gym. Like we know that group training is quite often more effective than single training because for most people, we're not always motivated to do it ourselves and when you see the pain on someone else's faces face when they're going through you know their third ward and they feel like they're going to blow up you're able to pull through and work harder 
because you've seen that part, some pain that someone else has gone through. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm really upfront with this with my staff as well. I'm like, guys, I need to get away and I just need to have a little top up. I need to have a chat with someone. I'm going to go off to London and have lunch with, you know, a, a business associate or whatever, because I need that top up too. How do they respond to that? Do they Or do they do those things themselves? Well, most people will realise they need it themselves. I've got a couple of people we just meet up for like a drink or some food and we, we just bounce off each other because we're at the same place in our journey. So you need to kind of find people that are on the same place as you and then it makes sense to meet up and have a mutually beneficial arrangement, which I have. And then there's some people that you need that are higher up the food chain than you. And now that's a mentor-mentee relationship. And quite often that's going to be a paid relationship because you just need their advice. Like you need to sit down with them for an hour and get their advice. So, you know, I, I mentor loads of trainers and it's a mentor-mentee relationship. You pay, we sit down, I help you with my business we, we move forward uh, and I have that relationship with people above me but I also have mutual relationships in the middle and it's I kind of think you need a, a mixture of everything because if you always have mutually beneficial relationships you're never getting challenged to go to that place that you're trying to get to no it's fascinating mate so a question on that then firstly I'd say how do you find the right people to mentor you if you're looking for that person above and then the follow-up question would be at what point do you feel you need to have that mentor when you're building out your business? Yeah, so when you're struggling is obviously a point you need a mentor. When you start to see the struggle, I would say that's actually the point that you need a mentor. Most people struggle for too long before they get a coach. And I've been there several times. And it's because we're brave, we want to work it out ourselves, we want we want to think that we have the answer. And if we give it a bit more time, perhaps we'll know the answer. But it's a case of like, how long are you willing to wait? How much pain do you want to go through? How much money do you want to waste? And actually, maybe sitting down with someone that is highly experienced, but it's going to charge you £300 an hour, perhaps he could solve your next month of pain. And that's the reality. I've sat down with some people, and literally within 20 minutes, they've given me what I need. And I'm like, mate, we're done. I've, I've got it. See you later. Here's your 100 quid. I'm gone. And But that's what saved me a whole month of pain. Yeah. So in terms of finding those people, I think it's very hard to go on the internet and be like, right, I need a mentor, I need a business coach, because you're, you're constantly going to be like sold to, and it's always going to feel a little bit salesy in the business world. When I want someone to come into my life, this is when I meditate, because I, for me in my head, I then open my energy to see it in my world, because right now in my world, I'm focused on a set few tasks, so I get up do this or do that or do that and I don't see the rest of the world because my focus is on what's happening right now because I've told my brain that's what I need to focus on so let's say for example I know that in my business in the coming months I'm going to need a sales and business development manager that's the next need for our business and now I'm going to start to program my brain to know that I need that in my business so when I'm going out in London and I'm meeting people and we're having this chat and I'm listening to maybe the connections that you have and you know the conversations I'm having online I'm open to what my business needs and developing those conversations rather than going shit I need this person in my business now I've put a job advert out online and I've kind of opened myself up to everyone but actually I need a really specific person in my business to serve a specific amount of needs and if my brain is open to that over the period of one two three months I will come across that person Mm -hmm. I'll start having a conversation I'm like 
I really like this person. Actually, I think they've got the skills that I need in my business. I wonder if they'd be open to working within our business. And every time I've done that in my business, I've found the right person. And every time I've gone through a typical job application process, I've always found someone that will kind of do a job. They'll kind of be all right, but they will never be the person that will really fit. And I think that's the thing with anyone. It's like if you wanted, if you wanted a girlfriend, like sit down and meditate on the fact of like, well, what do I want my girlfriend to be like? I want her to be kind and caring, but a bit fun. I want her to be blonde. I want her to have big tits. Like it doesn't matter. But if you just go into a bar on Saturday night with a shotgun, you're going to pick up something that you don't fancy. Like it's, it's not going to work out. But if you'd spent time programming your energy for what you want your eyes, brain and heart to see and feel, you'll find that person because your brain, heart will be open to that energy rather than just looking for something because you know you need it. Yeah, man, that's amazing. I love it, man. So you're, you're wiring your brain and you're psychologically aiming yourself towards the person that you're looking for. And I guess that's... 100% factoring in that whole like law of attraction thing mm. are you like a big believer in that yeah 100% yeah well you, you think how much of our life is built on energy like you walk into a group of 10 people you're going to like really like two of them and you're going to be like best mates with one of them the other three four people there's going to be three or four people where you're like oh, I'm really struggling to talk to these people there's just no gel at all and there's three people in the middle that we can have an alright conversation it kind of gels it's okay but you wouldn't invite them out for a pint and it's just like we've all got energy that works with other people and that aligns with our values our beliefs our wants how we look uh, perception all of that kind of stuff so you're putting that energy out there that you far far quicker find that energy of that other person that you need and I think that I think that's potent really yeah. potent yeah it's great it's that instinct immediately mm. when you meet someone and you have that idea you're either drawn to someone or you're not yeah right? so I, to bring up on that some when some people meet me they might think I'm you know a little bit short or maybe kind of a little bit rude sometimes but I suppose I've become highly tuned to knowing a, how quickly I can help someone. So I'll meet people at a show, for example, and someone will come up to me and ask a question. And I'll be like, duh, 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 bang, there's your answer. And they, they're standing there thinking, well, aren't you going to tell me more? Like, aren't you? And I'm like, no, I've just given you what you need. But we're all so much, we're all so used to hearing so much fluff and yeah. people pad out conversations. And like, sometimes I'm just ill, in for the kill, let the person know what they need, and then I'm gone. And sometimes that makes me like seem rude but I'm actually just a very effective communicator yeah. and I can give someone what they need in a very short amount of time Yeah. Um, and again that's just knowing people's energy and what they need yeah. like and being able to solve pain quickly I think that's one of the things that I pride myself on in my business is solving pain very quickly like in business world we've all got pain whether it's a lack of cash flow problem staff member incorrect supply chain whatever uh, we're trying to solve pain very quickly and that's how you become effective as a coach and as a mentor and as a as a as someone even in a relationship but effectively getting over pain finding a solution and then finding common ground yeah no I think that's brilliant I think you know I can definitely relate to that something I focus on I suppose it's the trait of a high performer, right? Someone who wants to be direct, not waste their time either, be effective with their own time, but also help that person as quickly as possible mm. and, yeah, be as direct as possible. And I, I think it's brilliant. To go back to the law of attraction stuff and, and around that energy, is that something that has been with you for a long time or do you remember Do you remember 
kind of taking that belief on and then starting to use that within your life and in your business or is it something you've had forever it's probably a mixture of things I suppose I've always been a bit of a thinker and a little bit of a feeler like I've grown up in the arts as an actor and so I've always responded to kind of like energy and behavior and posture and body language um but I've also went for a lot of training when I was young because the other trainers that I was working with, you know, they they were well-read people as well. So they were reading books like The Law of Attraction and The Secret and High Performance Habits, like, you know, yeah. all these books that we love to read. So I got exposed to that quite young. And I think I've always been of the character that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly. That's it. Like, you either do it or you don't. Um, and I think when you marry up those factors, you get a pretty sweet outcome. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I couldn't really agree more, mate. And I wanted to ask a little bit more about the learning side of things mm-hmm. um, to complement what you just said there. But firstly, any book recommendations or anything that stood out of books that have changed your life or, or things that you would return to and read again? And then the second question is around the importance of learning in general. I mean, you've already said you've spent a month of the last five yep. at courses. Uh, anything specific that you think is really good that people can look into and, and research more in the, into themselves? Yeah, firstly, so a lot of us are in the habit of learning. People are listening to this podcast right now, learning, absorbing. That's good and we need it, but it becomes problematic when we get into the habit of learning too much and we don't give ourselves enough time to do. You know, people are so paralysed in like, right, I want to start a podcast. Okay, I'm going to read Tim Ferriss's blog, which, by the way, is a great blog on how to get started on a podcast. Basic equipment, yada, yada, yada. Cool. But I'm going to listen to a couple of podcasts on it and I'm going to do this and I'm going to delay it a little bit. Or oh, perhaps I don't know enough. No, no, no. Read the blog, buy your microphone, fucking record a podcast. Just do it and learn from the action of doing. And I think so. people are getting so caught up in how perfect your podcast is or my podcast is or someone else's blog that we paralyze ourselves from doing. And there's information out there to shortcut the journey. But no one can completely shortcut the journey. And everyone's looking to say, well, Ben's podcast, my podcast, was shit for the first year. Microphone was a bit crap. Like, they didn't get the sound right, yada, yada, yada. But I was willing to just do it and just learn on the job. Everyone wants that shortcut that's going to negate my first year of screwing it up. You can't do that. You can maybe negate six months of that, maybe even nine months of that. But you still got to do and fail a little bit. And until people learn that, you're going to have to fail no matter what. However many bloody business courses you go on, you're going to fail at something, somewhere, probably multiple times. With books, oh man, it's hard because I've written so many. Um, there's a couple I'm a massive fan of. My top three right now in my brain for just every human being to read are one, Extreme Ownership by yeah. uh, Jocko Willink and uh, Leif Babin. Yeah. I think I've got the names right. I'm good at butchering it. <laughs> Big fan of that. Um, the Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, which talks about uh, people's character types and how to work with your character type effectively. Um, extreme ownership is about basically accepting that everything is in your control. And, you know, if you choose to own yourself in your mind, you can achieve great things. And I think that's probably one of the best personal development books I've read because it puts that phrase, extreme ownership, in such a concrete way in your brain that you cannot ignore it. And if you're not willing to accept it, you're literally not going to go any further as a person. And then the third book is Seven Habits of Highly Successful People mm. by, I think it's Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey. Yeah. yeah. Great book for just everyone. How to be a great dad, 
a great business owner, a great everything, a great fucking human being, like be nice to people, just stuff like that. Yeah. So they're my top three. Amazing. I love that one. So uh, what I loved first of all was about the action, right? There's the piece on the action loop where let's use our, our example of starting a podcast. So we were inspired by somebody or something to start our own podcast. And then at some stage that inspiration grew and moved to being more of a motivation. And then at some stage we acted on that motivation and that action then led us into the loop of then being inspired again, being motivated again and acting again. And we are where we are. You know, you've done 300 plus episodes, mm -hmm. um, which is amazing. But we can reverse engineer the loop so we can just act and then we get that inspiration and then we get that motivation and then it goes back around again. So mm. we don't have to wait for those inspiring moments or those mo moments of motivation from other people. We can just act on something. And as you said, rightly so, you learn more by just acting on it anyway. So, 100%. Um, so yeah, I love that, mate. The other one was uh, the failure. So reacting to failure, it's inevitable, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur or you're building a business. So firstly, how do you react to failure? And secondly, What have been the biggest failures you've had uh, that you've had huge learnings and takeaways from? Yeah, so I'm still failing. Yeah. Uh, and the, sometimes the failures get even bigger as you grow because there's more risk. You know, I've got a house, I've got mortgage, cars. You know, I've run in a business that is turning over significant uh, money, but also has significant money going out. So there's always a lot of risk. And actually, When you are at home and maybe you're starting your business out of your bedroom or you've got a little office space, let's be honest, the risk is fairly insignificant. Like, you know, especially if you've got a side hustle. Actually, the risk now, like we, we can look in the, the big media today, like there's big, big businesses failing all the time in colossal ways. And no one's getting it right. I think people have to take comfort in that. No one is. What do I do now? Um, I try and see it coming a bit easier. I'm... Uh, more in alignment with the cash flow of my business now that sounds really simple but because I've never been a numbers person I've really struggled with numbers I'm just a I'm a creative guy so if you ask me to look at my balance sheet I understand like three percent of it so I have to get really in touch with that because the reality is that will show me where every aspect of my business is the numbers cannot lie so if I'm down on sales for a day and then two days and then three days well something's wrong Why is marketing going wrong? Is we're not doing enough? Is it we're not innovating? Has the Facebook algorithm changed and we haven't responded to it? So I think um, being very well connected to your numbers is very important. Don't get me wrong, we don't need over-analysis, which some people get caught into because their brain thinks in a very structured way. But you need to know where the earliest indication is going to be of pain and failure in your business and to act in a collaborative way. Sometimes in the past, I've you know, I've gone back to entrepreneur mode and reacted. Oh, there's a problem. I'm going to go and fix it. And then my team have gone like, well, what the fuck? What? Why didn't you tell us about that? So I quickly call a meeting. We sit down. There's a problem. How are we going to fix it? Cool. I'm going to go away and do this. You do that. And it, it very much has to be collaborative if you, if you have team members involved in your business. Because also they need to learn how to firefight as well. Like no, no day in business is a complete rainbow. Like at, at the end of the week in my business, I quite often post in the group. I'm like, let's share our wins this week and then share something that we learned and we're going to do better next week. Yeah, I love that. So great. We can always be better. 
but we've also got to celebrate some good stuff that we mm-hmm. did and it might be that we finished a book or you know whatever there's always got to be that yin and that yang people talk about having a critical and objective mindset yeah that's important but you've got to pat yourself back on the back because the entrepreneur is amazing at getting to the end of the day every day and going oh, I could have done more yeah. oh, I didn't get time to write that blog oh I, did, oh I didn't do that and sometimes I get to the end of my day and I've done more than most people will do in a week in one day but sometimes I'll sit there and go oh, I could have done that yeah. but it's my fault and I need to reflect on that and celebrate that actually I do do good things and yeah. I just have high standards for myself how do you reward yourself now then when, some, when the things do go right oh, I get shit face no <laughs> order some strippers go <laughs> Um, I do you know what it is more of a personal thing because so much of my business is a a personal pursuit of education and empowerment but you know I try and celebrate it with my team through you know to saying like well done brilliant we have a we unfortunately only get to meet as a team once a quarter because we're a remote team and coming together is actually quite expensive we have a good barbecue we pop open a wine like we have a great time it might be that I just go and celebrate with my girlfriend and actually she helps me celebrate because sometimes, again, I might be a bit too hard on myself and she goes, actually, that is amazing. Or, you know, I saw that Facebook message that came through to you today. Like, you literally changed that person's life. Mm. And sometimes when you get stuck into the day-to-day and you see that stuff all the time, you don't see the beauty of it. Like, if I go to Body Power, uh, which is one of our big industry events, and 50 people come up to me in a day and say, you changed my life. Your podcast was amazing. I've lost like five stone. I feel amazing. When someone says that 50 times, you kind of, you do go a bit numb to it. You're like, oh yeah, cool. So you have to stand back and go, actually, that's really freaking cool. You've got to be proud of that. So I think like anything, when we look at our character types, we look at habits and behavioral patterns, we need to have a process where actually we step back and go, let's think about this week. Let's think about the good that we've done. And I think actually that's where journaling is a very powerful process so that we can look at the stuff that we want to change but also look at the wins we've had and when you see it on paper and you write it in hand you can go that's really cool actually I'm proud of myself and I go to sleep being content rather than thinking fuck didn't write that blog (laughs) that's so good mate I'd like to go back and talk a little bit more about like meditation and journaling and some of the stuff you brought up and and perhaps some of the routine stuff in a bit Mm -hmm. but just to come back to you, Ben Coomba, as, as an individual and as the business that you've built, can you talk us through the kind of journey from leaving university, setting the online business up, and then when you've grown, because of course exercise and nutrition go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but then incorporating things like the supplement business, awesome supplements, and then the talking and the gigs that you're doing, which you said now takes up most of your time. When did those things start to become a part of the business? Mm-hmm. And what kind of, I suppose, importance and time do you give to those parts of the business as you grow and, and get bigger and bigger? Yeah, so um, I started off as a practitioner of my trade and I think that's a really important uh, distinction to make. I met a lady the other day that she was like, oh, I'm going to try and do what you do. I want to be in like an online coach. And I'm like, okay, cool. So where do you work right now coaching? And she was like, oh, well, I, I don't really coach that much at the moment. I'm just qualified, but I'm going to start online. And I'm like, fuck off. You cannot do that. I'm sorry. Because... You've got to earn the right and the respect and the passage to actually take your work in a way where it will be more black and white. Like, 
If you were going to learn to be uh, an online physio, something that's a very physical job where you need to interact with the muscles and the joints, for you to even start to give away information online to reduce pain or something like that, you have to have been able to master it with the body offline. So the reason I make that point is because I think you do need to earn the right of passage because the online world instantly takes away some of the personal touch aspect of some of the things that we deliver. So if I'm just going to write a diet plan for someone, that can appear very black and white across the internet. I need to know how that diet plan or that system or that process actually acts and behaves with an individual by working with many, many individuals to see those interactions or those changes. Um, so that's a distinction I want to make. So I think people are almost devaluing the quality of the internet services that we have by going in too early and going, oh, it's an easy way to make money. It's an easy way to impact lots of people. It can be, but sometimes some of our trades are getting diluted with people that are acting on the wrong impulses. So I spent the age from 19 and a half to 21, 22, 24. So I spent about five years working with people and training them. Then in my second year of uni, um, I kind of had this desire to just go online and do something bigger, more impactful. Uh, so I set up the first business, ran that for a year, realized I made lots of mistakes. At that time, I was also working as uh, assistant S&C coach at a uh, rugby league team, premiership rugby league team. I was working in a cocktail bar. Which club were you working at? Um, Hull KR yeah. in Hull, so that was my uni. Yeah. Uh, I was working in a cocktail bar. I was coaching kids at school, so I was getting high-level experience. I was getting low-level experience working with kids I was working with everyday mums and dads. I was working with people that want to get into amazing shape. So I was exposing myself constantly to all these different types of people to work with. Then 2010, I started the coaching business. In 2012, we started educating other people in the world of nutrition. So at that point in time, I had coaching, um, a little bit of speaking and online education. We ran that for about three or four years and then about two and a half years ago, we started the supplement line. And to be honest, that was purely out of frustration. I was working with a supplement company. The relationship was starting to go kind of a bit sideways. I was getting frustrated with the lack of honesty in the world of supplements. Like, hey, take this. It'll help you lose body fat. I'm like, that's unethical selling. Fuck off. Um, so I kind of just sat there and, you know, with my arrogance, energy, naivety, whatever you want to call it, I thought, it can't be that hard. Let's start our own supplement company. So we did it and it's, it's, it's partly a regret only because it's been really hard work and it nearly caused me to go bankrupt and it's right now putting colossal strain on our cash flow to be able to grow. But it's also a great learning process for me. I've learned a huge amount about uh, processes, numbers, systemization, manufacturing procedure. Those are cool stuff. And I think it will be a brand that helps an awful lot of people gain clarity in a very confusing marketplace. But I'm not naive to the fact that it is a very hard business to be in. Like, mm. There's a lot of people selling some really crazy stuff. And, and you've got to compete on, with that every day. And you're focused on like the like whey protein and doing amino acids and pre-workout and all that kind of stuff. It's gym-centric. Kind of Something. gym and health centric, yeah, but quite a heavy emphasis on the vegan um, okay. industry now, purely because there's a huge interest there. Yeah. I thought there was also a huge market opportunity to create products that actually taste good, because apparently in the past, if you're vegan, you're not allowed to eat tasty food. Um, so like, you know, 
traditionally vegan proteins tasted awful like awful and i'm like why yeah i had that sun warrior is it yeah 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 and that's one that was one of the better ones and i'd say that was an average taste Mm. and i just thought hang on this massive opportunity here to provide people with a great tasting product that currently being massively underserviced so we went and created a and it's now outselling all our other products by three times. Really? What the vegan protein? The vegan protein. Amazing. Yeah. We've now got two more flavors coming out. We've now got we're now looking at vegan bars, vegan snacks, like loads of stuff because also why can't you and me eat a vegan snack? Yeah. So why can't I taste t- make something that applies to both markets? Yeah. Mate, it's it's so hot at the minute like my, my brother I mentioned who's been on the podcast as well. He did Veganuary. Yeah, like we spoke about that. Um, one of the other guests, a girl called Claudia, who's a, a functional movement specialist and vegan influencer as well, talks about how you don't have to be full vegan. So exactly, why can't me and you, who aren't full time vegan, just have a vegan snack mm. and get the, the benefits from that anyway? Interested to know when you're doing something like that, what's the kind of market research look like? What's the strategy behind going and figuring out where the interest would be? So surveying customers, always important. I think if you're quite connected with your audience and you're asking the right questions on social media and you're engaging in the right way on social media, you should get quite a good feel for what your audience want. But quite often the best way is just to ask. Like we're about to put out a survey as part of our supplement company. We do one every year and we want to know from our customers what we're doing well. What are we doing badly? What products do you want to see next? And then we're honest and saying, we're thinking of doing this. We've got this kind of formula together. We've got this flavor. What do you think? Would you buy it? Would you like it? Would you want a sample? And if you look at your audience and you think it's a thousand and 300 people reply and 100 people say yes, the chances are 30, 40, 50 people might buy buy the product. And that might be enough for you to then take a punt. There's always going to be an element of risk in a product line. We had a product line that failed uh, miserably last year. It was our one product line that failed. And with that one, we just had to stand back and go, do you know what? We've had to write off 25% of our stock. We've lost you know, 10, 15 grand there. But you're going to have those, right? We definitely go through more market research now and we're a bit more due diligent. And I think we've also identified... If you're really going to shift a market perception and really innovate, it's got to be so strong. Mm. It cannot be in the middle. And I've learned this the hard way three times where I thought there was an innovation there and there wasn't really a really strong innovation there. And when you're going to go and spend 20, 30, 40, 50 grand bringing this innovation to market, you've got to be so sure because otherwise it's going to fall on its head. So we've learned to kind of panda in between like for example we brought out a few of our products with probably slightly unusual names for the industry and actually we've learned that we have to change those names back because we're going to have to do so much education to teach that person why the name is the way that it is the chances are we spent 15 quid on marketing that message to that person we've made no profit So sometimes the line to actually grow your business is in the middle because there's a certain market understanding of what a certain product does and how it fits into their lifestyles. Amazing. No, so good, man. All right, as far as the speaking, when did that start? And in the future, are you hoping to do more things like that? Like where where are the typical places that you're speaking and what's the general message? Yeah, so I speak sometimes organize my own events. So I'll advertise, you know, maybe I'm teaching personal trainers how to be better at their jobs. Or I might be speaking to the general public on fitness and nutrition. Um, Did that at the weekend. I was speaking to an event, general public, uh, teaching them about nutrition and training. An amazing event. Um, I'm also doing speaking in sort of higher corps. Like I've spoke at Sky TV, 
spoke at O2, Twining's Tea. So I'm, I'm really happy in front of any audience. I also get called into the big events like Body Power. So I might be in front of like 500 people. For me, that's where I come alive because I believe that I, like, I don't really think I know more than everyone else. I think I'm just connected with the problems that people have and I have a way of saying it where people can go, I get it now. Makes make, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never said I'm the most intelligent nutritionist or co- like, you know, for me, coaching is the art of being able to communicate how to get to the outcome, how to solve the pain. So definitely want to speak more. Uh, my business, unfortunately, is not in a place where I can be on the road, you know, three, four days a week speaking all around the country. Um, hopefully it will be in the future. But that's it's just what fires me up, seeing 50 people in front of me and the penny dropping slowly inside all their heads. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah, I love that. It's an interesting subject as well about delivering that message because mm. often it's so reliant on the person who's listening as to whether it's the right time for them to even understand it or let that penny drop. So yeah, mate, if you've got that gift to uh, help people But then my job there. as a speaker is saying, okay, how do I open up that person's mind yeah. in the next 10 minutes? Yeah. What, what's, what's holding them back? And actually, I now get it. I get why high-level speakers use PowerPoint so little. Because the more PowerPoint you have, the more constrained you are to what you think you want to teach. And the best talks I've ever done is where I've stood there, looked my audience in the eye, and felt their pain, and gone, right, there's 10 people over there, I can see this area of pain in their life. If I stick to my presentation 100%, I'm not going to solve their Mm -hmm. pain. And that would plague me leaving that speaking event going, I didn't solve their pain. So actually, I'm going to make my talks a lot more flexible. And sometimes now I just do my talks with a whiteboard. And I'll stand in front of the room and I'm like, tell me what really confuses you in the world of nutrition. And we'll write all these things up on a whiteboard. And then I'll sculpt an hour's talk from all the things that come up on the whiteboard. Because my job is to solve the pain somewhere in the room for everyone. And I'll even sometimes do a show of hands in my talk. I'm like, right, you came here feeling 40% confused. And some people will put their hands up, you know, and I do this exercise. And I'm like, hands up if we've moved closer to maybe 20% confusion, maybe 10%. And if all those people put their hands up, I'm like, boom, you're just one step closer. And that's enough for me. Mate, that's so good. All right. So I'm interested to know, because you've obviously been in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people have had your programs and... Mm -hmm exercise and nutritional advice what do you think are some of the keys to find in high performance day to day diligence with the basics can't get around a great night's sleep can't get around a good diet you've got to be well hydrated you've got to have some form of movement that energizes inspires and also takes your mind away from like your day to day so sometimes like runners get it all the time. Oh, I'll go out for a run because it clears my mind. I don't think about anything brilliantly. I don't get that, for example, when I go in the gym. So if I always use the gym as my exercise, my brain is actually really active on my business in the gym because I've got like rest periods. So you do your set and then you're sitting there and then I'm thinking about work. I'm not thinking about the exercise because hmm. I don't actually need to think about it because I'm quite experienced with that exercise. Yeah. So that's quite uh, another reason why I play sport, play rugby. Like when I turn up and I put my boots on. You still play now? Yeah, 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 I can't think of anything else apart from catching that ball or getting smashed in the face by some dude. <laughs> so I think exercise has to be able to take you away. Um, I see one problem with high performers with exercise is that they end up doing too much and it starts to take away from their quality of life. 
So they might be obsessively exercising every morning, for example, and actually that's contributing them to them feeling a bit tired and a bit burnt out. Exercise, nutrition, all this stuff should add quality of life. Mm. It should never take away. So in high performers, I think that is a big problem. Knowing when to actually say, well, today I don't need to exercise. I'm just actually maybe going to do a little bit of stretching, go for a bit of a walk to crack on with my work and then go on date night tonight with my (laughs) wife or whatever. Other things, um, having patterns that you know make you successful. So we talked about morning routine when we were speaking off air, like find a routine that works for you. Like I was telling you that I don't have a routine. I get up, I make a cup of coffee, I fucking get on with my work. It's as simple as that. I've already got a plan. I know what I'm doing today. I just crack on. Mm. Some people are not like that. That's fine. Some people need to get up, do a bit of meditation, just have a bit of time thinking, planning, focus their mind. If that's you, that's absolutely fine. I've tried every morning routine under the sun. And my routine is I get up and I get on. That's it. And then I have a point in time where I decide that it's now time to stop working. So it might be 6 p.m. and I... I said to myself and my girlfriend or whoever, we're stopping work at 6 p.m. And then I think knowing the things that when you kind of step astray, pulls you back into line. So when I'm feeling a little bit angry or frustrated or helpless with my business, I know that person I can go and talk to, have a chat with, create a meeting. I know that if I'm feeling really tired muscularly, I really enjoy a massage or a jacuzzi or whatever. It's just knowing what solves the problem place you're in and acting on it sooner than when you really need it. Yeah. Which is quite often a bit too late. Yeah. Well, generally speaking, it isn't. Yeah. I love that, mate. Because do you know what? So many people say, you've got to exercise every day. You've got to stick to this routine. But it sounds as though the consistent message from you is that everyone's different and you find what works out for you, right? Yeah. But you've got to keep testing it. People are listening to the next expert that you have on your podcast and they're like, right, my morning routine's this. I'm like, cool. Try that. Yeah. And then have enough self-awareness, self-belief to go, that didn't work. That doesn't mean I lose respect for that system or what worked for that person. just didn't work for me. Yeah. And in the online space, there's so many people arguing like, oh, that's a stupid approach. Why are you recommending that? And I'm like, well, I'm recommending it because it works for me. It means it's probably going to work for 20, 30, maybe 40% of other people. The rest it won't. Yeah. But at least I've helped 20, 30, 40% of yeah. people. And, and that's probably what fucks me off the most about the internet is people arguing about 5% of the detail where most of it we agree on. Like in the nutrition space, people are arguing about the stupidest things and saying, oh, that guy's an idiot. Oh, he said this. And like all of a sudden, all of that person's life, life's work is redundant because they disagree on one thing. It's like, actually, no, that guy's a great practitioner but I just don't agree with this part of his work. And actually that's okay. Now don't get me wrong. There's a time when that might be damaging because they might be really malaligned with the research, for example. Low carb dieting is a great example of this. The research says that it's not more effective than higher carb diets for fat loss. But there's loads of people on the internet going, carbs will make you fat, you'll die, you'll get diabetic, all this kind of stuff. That's factually, scientifically incorrect. So actually there is a reason to say, hang on a second, dude. That's retarded. But when we're talking about just opinion and experience and um, just expertise, I think we kind of need to respect each other's place a little bit more because otherwise we're just making more and more people confused about what is the answer because everyone's trying to talk in absolutes and the reality is nothing is an absolute. Yeah, I love that, mate. Okay, so from yourself, who is an expert in this area, 
what do you say is the answer for exercise and diet could you hear all these things you know there's keto diets there's intermittent fasting there's all these various things like you said low carb high carb what is the right thing for someone to do and then diet wise and then what is the right thing for people to be doing exercise wise generally speaking yeah so exercise wise i think everyone should have some mixture of cardiovascular and strength-based training so I get in the gym three, four days a week, but I also run around, chuck a ball about, get outside. I think getting outside is very important. I don't think long-term, always doing your exercise inside is healthy. Doing lots of walking, can't get around that. Walking, moving, stretching. So that would be my, my key thing. Find your balance. If you're a runner, don't just run because we know that getting in the gym is beneficial to prevent injury and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my view on exercise. And make sure it's not kind of burning you out. It's always adding quality of life. Yeah. Diet-wise, um, I'm always going to say that we can't get around the fact that you are going to be vibrantly healthy if you eat lots of fruit and vegetables. Like if you can eat 10, 12, 14 servings of fruit and vegetables a day, you're going to feel great. That's why I have a Nutribullet full of stuff nearly every day because I know I'm just going to get so much good shit in that. What's in that one? Uh, that was apple, mango, avocado lime, spinach, all rammed in, got like six servings into one like 180 calorie smoothie. With water? Just with water, yeah. Yeah. Um, Really tangy, really tasty. Uh, You don't notice the avocado. It's cool, it's nice. Um, We need enough protein in our diet consistently. Uh, You know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, whatever your choices are. And just start to play around. I always say to people with the fat and carbohydrate intake in your diet, like some people work great on a high fat diet. Some people don't. And, you know, like I like a kind of low to moderate carbohydrate intake. My fiance likes a high carbohydrate intake and makes her feel well. She has a fatty meal. She's angry and falling asleep. That's just our biological differences. It doesn't make a high carb diet the best diet makes it the best diet for her so lots of clean fluids loads of fruits and vegetables consistent fruit uh protein intake find your balance with protein and carbohydrate uh, carbohydrate and fat and probably also <laughs> sounds really silly because we don't really talk about this anymore but eat regularly like actually find your rhythm because i am great i try and eat as late as possible in the morning because i am a feeder at night i love a big meal at night so I try and eat as late as possible, but sometimes I let that go too far. And then I'm, it's at 10 o'clock, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like, ah, I'm a bit angry. And, you know, I start to think slowly. So again, before it got to a place where it was too aggressive a, you know, place to be in, I should have gone, oh, I should have had breakfast at half eight. Because yeah. then I would have carried on with that energy and I would have felt good. Yeah. So that would probably be my, my key stuff okay. without getting too geeky. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, mate, I love it. All right. And Amazing don't eat advice. too much. Yeah. Like honestly, like know what your rough calorie need is for your body and try and be roughly around that place because we we know what excess fat does on the body long term. It's it's not a great place to be kind of health wise metabolically. So try and maintain a, a stable body weight. Yeah. And is it is it as simple as calories in, calories out? It is. Yeah. Like if, if we want to look at the scientific literature, that's what it says. Yeah. Okay. Control it. And however much we try and play about with carbs and all the rest of it, it comes down to how much you eat. Yeah. And, it, and most of the arguments on the internet to counteract that are coming from people that are not tracking enough data. So they're like, oh, well, I cut carbs out and so I didn't, I didn't count calories. And I'm like, yeah, but you cut carbs out, which probably meant that you started eating 
flipping a thousand calories less in your diet because you before that you're eating bread and potatoes and everything else. So people need to have data before they get on these arguments online because otherwise we've got nothing to argue about. I'm the guy with the data, you're the guy with an opinion. Like one wins easily. So people have to come at an argument with data and nutritionally, not a lot of people actually know much data about what they eat and why. Mm. Fascinating. Thanks for that, mate. I think there's going to be so many people who will take positives away from that. So I appreciate it. Okay, I've got one more question for you before we dive into the final three questions that we do at the end of every podcast episode. So respectfully your time, I'll I'll, I'll give you one more question then we'll do the final three. So you mentioned a little bit about it before, the routines, meditation, you know, again, it's different for everybody. But I'm keen to hear from you what we spoke about a little bit before off air around those personality types, character types. I think it might be from that book that you suggested as well, mm-hmm. um, where you fit into that. So listeners can also try and understand and see where they might fit into that. And then also keen to hear a little bit about your goal setting routine, because I'm, I know you have quite strong opinions around goal setting and the positives and negatives that come along with setting short and long term goals for yourself. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. So goal setting, um, I have always had a process since first starting out in business and I think I only ever slipped up when I let other people control those goals or I didn't become diligent enough about uh, realigning them. I, you know, I'm quite an intuitive person, quite a thinker, feeler type person so I allowed those goals to just like sit in my head and actually that was one of the most damaging times because verbalising your goals, seeing them up on the wall playing around with like timelines and numbers and what you need to do creates focused action because at no point in my business am I ever not taking action but if I'm taking action on literally the wrong stuff I'm not getting anywhere closer towards my goal so I have to stand there at the end of every week and go right what actions did I take this week what did I create what did I do what did we earn what did you know what went wrong okay was that aligned with our goals okay why did we go off course? What happened? Was it a customer? Was it a market trend? Was it something that happened um, in our industry? And then we we verbalize that back into the team and back into kind of my ecosystem of moving towards that goals. And then, then we realign because otherwise you'll just keep going off. Yeah. And then you'll get to a point where you're like, ah, I've been going <laughs> in the wrong direction for two months. And I did it. I did it. Like we talked about, um, you know, pain earlier. Like I spent all of last year in constant mental pain because we're fighting going bankrupt. And it was because I let our mission go a bit awry. We weren't focused on the goal of our weekly business. I was letting someone else control the goals of the business before that. And it was such a painful time, but it was my fault because I lost sense of the goal. I started to not plan effectively. And you've got to be in touch with that stuff all the time. And that that's the ownership that you have to accept and take as a business owner and you need to make time for it. Like you, you can't make excuses of like, oh, I was busy dealing with customers and I was busy doing that. The business always comes back to you. You created it. You know, it's your it's your mission to uphold. So in my week, uh, in my business every week, I sit down, I give myself an hour and I review everything that's happening. Am I happy with it? What do we need to change? Oh, fuck. Right, okay, let's solve that. Because if I don't solve it, we're going to be even worse place in three weeks' time. I have to ask you, because I, I see 
uh, a lot of similarities in in you than I have myself and very driven, very focused and very action orientated and constantly trying to do stuff and achieve stuff and regularly have to-do lists the length of my arm that I'm (laughs) working through. How do you turn off from that? I think the first thing is planning all your time off. So like I would plan my work, I say, I sit down with my fiance at uh, on a Sunday evening before we go to bed and I'm like right, what's your week looking like this week and she goes oh I've got netball on Tuesday and I'm like okay so Tuesday evening I've got free do I need to work when am I going to start work on Tuesday okay Tuesday I'll go out and go down to the pub with the lads and just meet a mate for an hour or Wednesday we'll then schedule in our date light and it's literally just getting at the beginning of the week looking at your whole week and going right this is when I'm going to work how about we don't let fun happen if we have the time, because then it won't happen. So I think it's really important to schedule in your fun and your fun should take your mind away from the business mm-hmm. anyway. If you're putting yourself into an environment where you're still thinking about business, it's not the right kind of fun for you. Yeah. So that's why I play sport. That's why me and the missus go for a long week down the, uh, long walk down the seaside and get fish and chips or something like that. That's why I always say that pretty much I never work a Sunday unless I'm doing a, a really big or well-paid gig because it's my family time. So we always, you know, book in a long dog walk, going out with a canoe. It's just about putting all that stuff in the diary. So you also commit to the many areas of your life that need your attention. Because otherwise, if you look at the beginning of your week and go, oh, if I've got time, I'll see if my mate's free on Thursday night. Mm. And the chances are you'll never make that time. Yeah. It will never happen. So you've got to plan it in. And I suppose just being all right with it, because I can, I can speak from experience. I just got back from holiday and like three, four days in, I'm twiddling my fingers thinking, oh, I need to be doing something productive here and, and almost wasting that relaxation period that I've got, which I've booked in mm-hmm. and trying to be okay with not working. So with looking at planning and that, I would almost like plan your mindset. So I'm the same as you, but I say to myself, right, I know that I'm going to behave like this four days into my holiday. So my commitment to myself and my plan for my business is to know that four, five, six, seventh day into my holiday, I'm going to allow my brain the freedom to create new and interesting ideas in my business. So I allow myself to do some work, but my work is very creative and it's reflecting and feeling. And maybe I spend some time talking to my partner about my ideas and stuff like that. So I don't actually do, like I don't go on my emails or anything like that, but I allow myself to enjoy my passion in my business. So that way I still think you you get to kind of do some of what is you, but you don't get into doing mode, you stay in thinking mode because your brain also needs that. Yeah, I love that, mate. Okay, I'm definitely going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And just on the character types, personalities from that book, just for people who are listening to understand maybe where they fit into that. Yeah, Uh, so the character types in Gretchen's four tendencies are upholder, obliger, rebel, and... Awkward. Forgotten the fourth one. Yeah, forgotten. Uh, it might come back to me in a minute. But there's basically four character types and it kind of outlines how you would behave. And at no point is it about like solving a problem or trying to change your character. It's about identifying it and saying, okay, this character type generally behaves like this. So in a relationship, you're probably going to think like this. So actually you need to anticipate that and maybe think like this instead or put this kind of like fail safe in so you don't behave like that Um, with your work colleagues you're going to think like this but if your work colleagues are this character type they're not going to think the same as you so I remember in my early part of my career I was kind of like why aren't my staff thinking like I do and I'm like 
that's because they're my staff and that's because I've hired them to do that job because they are that particular character type. So they're actually in their role, they're more beneficial in their role than I am because they're that character type. So it's literally just understanding you, the people around you and how to optimize those relationships because people think inherently very different and however much you try to change them and berate them and tell them off, they are not gonna change because that's their inbuilt character type that's probably been there for most adults for like 30, 40 years. You're not going to change that, so work with it rather than against it. Yeah, awesome. All right. Mate, it's been brilliant. So last three questions. Mm -hmm. The first one, again, we do these in every episode, and the idea being people can take immediate advice away after they listen. So the first one is, is there anything that stands out you've discovered recently that you're excited about? Uh, A lot. Stands out that's exciting on a personal level. Yeah, whatever, anything that's impacted your life. Um, I'm excited about the opportunity of making a bit more of my work offline. I'm so online and there are days I feel actually really disconnected. And on those days, I kind of keep thinking, is that emotion going to keep compounding itself? So I, you know, on days get like angry with social media and it's connection and being in my pocket, on my hip, attached to my emotion. And I think, do I want that? Do I want that when I've got kids running around and I've kind of got this anxiety of like, I need to be places or respond to things. And I kind of think, do you know, perhaps it would be nice if actually I owned a gym and I could drive down the road, chat to the staff, chat to the members, do some staff training, maybe do a bit of marketing on it and then kind of like go home. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm interested in, making my work a bit more hybrid having a bit more offline as well as online because i i don't long term see myself purely being online because i just don't think the human brain is kind of wired to be happy there if i'm honest yeah so i don't know i don't know how it's going to evolve but i just i there's just so much negative mental health around social media at the moment and i just I don't want people to come off social media. I want people to use it responsibly for the right purpose, to follow the right people, not get caught up in all the crap and following, like, you know, you go on people's Instagram profiles and they're following like 500 people. And I'm like, how are you following all that information? Yeah. I follow like 40 people, like really? eight people in the business world, 20 people in the fitness, nutrition world, some in the personal development, couple in meditation. Anymore, I can't keep up. Yeah. And I don't want 500 opinions. I want a couple that I value. And I did a podcast this on a while ago and I got so much good feedback about shaping your technological environment because the statistics tell us that we're now uh, listening and watching on our phones two hours a day. That's a lot of time. Is all that time being well spent? Because if an hour of it is being spent scrolling through shite you don't want to see unfollow all those people follow people that add meaning to your life yeah it's only getting worse with like the stories that people are constantly sharing their day to day like oh wow yeah what episode number was that out of interest we'll share it on here uh, I don't know I'll have to let you yeah, know we'll, I can't we'll, remember we'll put a link up to that one no, so cool. people can listen to that um, okay love that answer mate so the next question is if you had to give somebody one piece of advice and one action or routine to incorporate into their day which is going to help them improve their performance what would that be 
Do whatever action makes you the best version of yourself. So whether you love to stay fit and healthy, you love to eat well, you love to take half an hour to go for a run or walk the dog or whatever, make sure you're in the best possible mindset. Because if you rob yourself of that time, you will be very, uh, you'll feel very regretful and frustrated because you're not getting back something for you. And that's even more important when you have less and less time for that. Like you're maybe got kids running around, you've got a really busy lifestyle. Actually, it is really important that you have that half an hour to just go and do what you need to do to be the best version of yourself because then everything else will be better. Yeah, so finding that thing that makes you feel good and sticking to it and being strict with yourself. Love it. So last question is, third time lucky. So there's two versions of Ben Coomer. Take yourself back 10, 12 years ago as you were building the business and building all the great things that you've started to do. What's the key differentiator between the version of Ben who's gone on and built the business how you have to date and had all the great success you've had and the version of Ben who wouldn't have done all these great things and would have just laid by the wayside or just not acted and not followed through on on the passion that you have? Probably not listening to other people. Uh, You know, we've all got cases where we've shared an idea with a family member or friend and all the rest of it and they've just given you all the reasons why it won't work and there are loads of reasons shit ain't going to work. Like... But you've got to focus on why they can work and what happens if they did work. And I think I was really good at blocking that out. Uh, I was fortunate that I grew up in an environment where I didn't have to answer to too many people. I could block myself off from the world. So I didn't have too much kind of crap to get rid of. Mm. But as soon as you start listening to your own voice and trusting your own voice and trusting yourself that if things are going wrong, you'll have the self-discipline to kind of look objectively and say, okay, why isn't it working out? What could I do better? I'm working hard, but perhaps my energy is just working hard on the wrong stuff. Because ultimately, most people will never understand the journey that you're going to go on. Like, think about the, the crazy businesses in the technological space now. Even the fucking internet, everyone was like, it's not going to work. The internet worked quite successfully. Uber, what do you mean ordering a taxi on an app? It worked. Like other people won't understand. So listen to your own voice, follow it and just literally work it out as you go. Yeah. Amazing advice. Mate, thanks so much. Thank you. It's been a great interview. Mate, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's been brilliant. I haven't actually followed any of my interview questions. Mate, I never do that either. <laughs> you just got a feel. You yeah. like, see what the person's about and uh you've got to pick up on those things where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Let's, let's talk about that. And yeah. I think that's a beauty of an interview is just having the opportunity and the freedom to do that. That's why I love podcasting myself. Yeah. It's just like, actually, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, and that's what today's been. I could have sat and spoke to you for hours, mate. So thanks again for doing it. Uh, you've had an incredible 12 years and I appreciate you sharing, sharing the advice. So yeah, thanks thank again, you. mate. Is there, is there uh, anywhere people can go and find out more about you? Yeah, I'm all over the internet. Ben Coomber C-O-O-M-B-E-R so just type it into Instagram Facebook wherever you like BenCoomber.com you'll find all the links to our stuff and what we do my podcast is Ben Coomber Radio um, yeah amazing go uh, go down the rabbit hole there and thanks again mate yeah get lost in some info yeah <laughs> thanks, thanks dude. there it is guys episode 11 of the take flight podcast with ben coomba such a good guy great guest really positive inspiring individual and i definitely suggest going and having a look at his podcast ben coomba radio 
looking at his website. He's got so much stuff, so much content out there. Whether it's free content or paid content, there's so much there that will help you be a better version of yourself. So please go and check that stuff out. And thanks again to him for coming on the show. And that's it from me. Real quick outro this time. I've got six or seven guests lined up over the coming weeks and I can't wait to get those episodes recorded and I can't wait to share them with you guys and hear your thoughts and and hear which bits are helping and it's going to help steer the kind of people I'll get on the show moving forward. So thanks again so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know you're, you're listening in for an hour, sometimes more to these podcast episodes. So thanks so much. And in the meantime, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.